Christians are being more and more persecuted throughout the world. And this week I thought for our corporate prayer it would be good to pray for the persecuted church. Organisations like Open Doors and the Barnabas Fund estimate that 150,000 Christians are martyred each year and more than 200 million Christians are really struggling to live out their faith. Christians in more than 65 countries suffer discrimination, alienation, interrogation, arrest and even death for their faith. Brother Andrew has said, our prayers can go where we can't. There are no borders, no prison walls, no doors that are closed to us when we pray. In Ephesians 6.18, Paul instructs believers to be alert and always keep praying for all the Lord's people. Let us pray. Almighty God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, blessing, honour and glory belong to you. We bow before you acknowledging your Lordship, power and holiness. We declare that all praise is due to you. Thank you for accepting us as your children and for the steadfast love, faithfulness and care that you show. Lord, this morning we bring before you our brothers and sisters who are facing persecution for their faith in so many places around the world. We pray for all persecuted Christians in the midst of all forms of difficulty and discomfort. May they know your presence and experience the hope that only you can give. May they know you as their sure rock and be filled and strengthened by the Holy Spirit. We ask that you sustain persecuted believers, building up their faith and giving them the courage to endure trials and sufferings that we can't even imagine. We pray that persecuted Christians will feel connected to the wider body of Christ, give them the assurance that Christians, like us, who enjoy and often take for granted religious freedom, have not forgotten them and will uphold them in our prayers. Lord, help us to find ways to show support and provide encouragement from the security and comfort of the country in which we are so blessed to live. We pray that your word will be freely available to all persecuted believers and there will be opportunities for them to share fellowship with other Christians. We pray that persecuted Christians will experience God's comfort, especially at times when family members and friends are injured, imprisoned or even killed. Lord, we pray that those who have been rejected by their families because of their faith will find the acceptance, love and support of other Christians. May they be encouraged and upheld both physically and emotionally. Be with all believers who are facing suffering and even death as a result of the actions of uncaring regimes, evil dictators and militant religious sects. Lord, help and comfort women who are socially vulnerable and especially those who have even lost custody of their children because of their faith. 
we pray that in the midst of trials, persecuted Christians will find opportunities to share the gospel and witness to others, including those who have sought to harm them. Help for persecuted in situations where they have to make instantaneous decisions under great pressure. Fill them with boldness and give them the right words to speak, even in their weakness and times of uncertainty. Lord, be present with persecuted Christians in their hardship and suffering, both physical and mental. Where believers are imprisoned, we pray for your intervention. Where believers are ill, we pray for healing. Where believers are hungry, we pray for the provision of sustenance. Lord, we also pray for the persecutors. May they come to know your love, forgiveness and blessing and turn away from the activities that seek to prevent others from following you. Lord, our world faces so many horrific things. Help us never to become hardened to the sufferings of others. Show us how we can provide care and support for our persecuted brothers and sisters. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness and the assurance we have that you hear all our prayers. For the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Thank you, Anthony. And good morning, everyone. Just take a minute out as I get organised. So how did this sermon come about? I was uh, up at Belair National Park, walking and talking with God, and the Lord's Prayer came to mind. And I started rehearsing it slowly. And as I went through each line, thoughts kept dropping into my mind. And uh, then I thought to myself, wow, this could be a sermon someday. So the next day I uh, wrote down the thoughts that had come to mind up at Belair National Park. That afternoon, Sam Barnes rang and said, David, is there any chance that uh, you could preach the sermon in two Sundays' time? the 7th of November. I looked it up in my diary and yes, 7th of November was clear. And you know seven is God's favourite number? Over 500 times you read the word seven in the Bible. Happens to be my favourite number. And so the stars are all lining up. I said yes to Sam and God, so here we are. Now in the Greek, the word seven is hepta which means abundant, fullness, completeness. Now, I can't promise you that the sermon today will be abundant, full and complete, but I trust there'll be something in it that brings blessing today. You may learn nothing new, but the content, I believe, will still be worth sharing and listening to. I don't know about you, but uh, I have the same meal for breakfast every morning. Cereal with fruit, marmalade on toast and coffee. Boring? No way. I love it. So same with the subject to God. God the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God's Word, the Holy Bible. Yes, sometimes repeat revelation. It's often the case. It may be today. But always life-giving and good. So God, I pray we will all enjoy every spoonful of the sermon today.
So we're going to look and unfold what we know as the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew 6, it's a part of the Sermon on the Mount. In Luke 11, it's Jesus' response to a disciple's question, Lord, teach us how to pray. So we're going to look and listen to Jesus' words and unfold the counsel of Jesus on how to pray. But before we get to how to pray, we're going to have a quick look at how not to pray. Jesus is going to tell us how not to pray. And the words are actually a prelude to what we call the Lord's Prayer that he shared in Matthew chapter 6. But just before we hand over to Jesus, I'll answer the question. What is prayer? The answer, communication with God in the form of devotion, adoration, thanksgiving, petition, request, question and praise. So now to Jesus' words, Matthew 6, 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. So a hypocrite's prayer, public, prideful, pathetic performance. Jesus went on to say, I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. So the reward, the applause of those who listened, but no applause from God. We go to Matthew 6, 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. So the pagan prayer, rowdy, raucous, repetitious, ranting. The Greek word for babel is babalago, which means vain repetition. My little attempt to illustrate. Mum has lovingly prepared a beautiful world meal for the family. You know, her husband, her daughter and her young son. They sit at the table and before anything happens, the little boy says, Mum, I want my bread now. Could I have my bread now, Mum? I am your firstborn little boy and I'm going to be famous. Mum, I want my bread. Bread, bread, bread. Mum, he starts thumping the table. The answer, go to your room. No lunch for you today. The right way. Mum, I love you so much. I know the meal's on the way, but could I have a slice of bread first, please, Mum? Mum says, yes, it's coming right now. And the main course is going to be chicken, chips and your favourite salad and then pavlova ice cream and berries. See the difference? Perhaps the better illustration comes out of the Bible. Elijah and the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings 18. Elijah versus 450 prophets of Baal assembled on Mount Carmel to compete in prayer. The 450 Baal prophets prayed from morning to late afternoon and we read, they shouted, they danced, they cut themselves, they shouted louder, they frantically prophesied. The result? Nothing. No response. Nothing. 
Elijah stepped forward and prayed. His words, O Lord God, I am your servant. Answer me so these people will know that you are Lord and God. The result, the fire fell and burned up the sacrifice. Now, I know the prophets of Baal were praying praying to their pagan god Baal and Elijah to Yahweh, the true God. But I think the story still illustrates how God does not want us to pray. Rowdy, raucous, repetitious ranting. Back to Matthew 6. Jesus said, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. That's interesting, isn't it? So why pray at all if God knows what we need? My answer, because God wants us to be in it together. To communicate with him so we can be on the same page. To get God's will and guidance in the situation and at hand and into the future. He wants us to be together. So when we come to God in prayer, we should ask simply, sincerely, heartfelt and humbly. Understanding that God is listening. He knows our need. He hears our cry. His desire is to provide for our need, but not our greed. We don't always get what we want. When we want it, that's for sure. It comes at his timing, not ours. But be sure he has our best interests at heart. A little quote. Prayer is not an instrument for getting our will done, but for getting God's will done. So on to the Lord's Prayer. Jesus' instruction. It's his instruction how to pray. The disciples said, how? Teach us how to pray. The Lord's Prayer. We know it well. However, there are slightly different updated versions, but without any change of meaning. Today I'm going to use the traditional version uh, as we open it up. However, mistakes can be made. A little, bro- a little girl started to pray and she said, our father who does art in heaven. I think she was perfectly right. He's the best artist in the world. Another little girl got further in the prayer and she prayed, and lead us not into temptation, but please deliver us some email. <laughs> so here we go, the Lord's Prayer. And I wonder if we can't pray it together. Let's go. Our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, for ever. Amen. So, Now to unfold the Lord's Prayer, to look at it and gain insight into the way to pray. Firstly, our Father who art in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Our Father, not, oh my God. We hear that so often these days, don't we? OMG, oh my God. Don't know who he is. They're not praying to him. But our Father, not our earthly Father, but our heavenly Father. Both in the Old Testament and New Testament, we read of God being Father. It's designated in different ways, 
Firstly, he's the father of all creation, all humanity, all people. In Acts 17, we read, We are his offspring. In him we live and move and have our being. That's the case for every one of us. He said he was the father to the people of Israel. He said, I will lead you because I am Israel's father. And then, of course, he's father to all who come to him through faith in Jesus. Galatians 3.26 You are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Jesus Christ. How good is that? Members of God's household. And then John 1, 12 and 13. Yet to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Kathy mentioned the fact that we all can know him as our father as we come to him through Jesus. God's heart is for us to have an intimate relationship with him. The Bible says we can call him Abba Father, meaning an emotional and close and loving relationship. Just two points to ponder. Firstly, Jesus wants us to be aware and conscious of God, our Heavenly Father's love for us when we come to him and pray. Our prayer shouldn't just focus on our need, but firstly on our loving Heavenly Father. A new little dog moved in next door just a little while back. Her name is Marsha. She's beautiful. And she would come across and say hello. We would play on the back lawn. But one day I took her to the pantry and gave her a biscuit. Now when she comes across... She runs straight past me through the back door and stands at the pantry door. Just stands there looking at the pantry. I'm silly enough to give her a biscuit and then she eats it and says, Oh, hello, I didn't know you were there. Thanks for the biscuit. That is not how we should come to God in prayer. Just to run past him and ask that our need be met. When we come to God in prayer... Be aware of the loving relationship. Come to our loving Father, not just the pantry to get stuff from him. Secondly, note we pray, our Father. Our relationship with God is individual but communal. We are a family, so we're brothers and sisters. Want to look around and see who your brother and sister is this morning? We don't just care for ourselves but the family that's a blessing and a challenge we now get to the second line hallowed be thy name if we say someone has a good name or we say oh they've got a good name we're speaking of good character qualities god's name is described as hallowed holy set apart god's name is above all names there is no other like god his character qualities are perfect Bible names are often uh, given to have meaning and we heard of Joshua, the Lord saves. Jesus is the New Testament version of Joshua, the Lord saves. God's name, you know it, Yahweh, which means I am who I am, I will be who I will be. The English translation simply the Lord. The Hebrews considered the name Yahweh too 
sacred to pronounce, and so they abbreviate it to Jehovah. And then they coloured it in many ways. You probably heard them. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is here. Jehovah Tiskenu, the Lord our righteousness. And Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner. So when we come to God in prayer, let's see ourselves as running through the banner of his holy name. Jehovah Nissi. Next, thy kingdom come. Kingdom means the rule of God. Will it ever happen? The answer, yes, it's on its way. When? Well, in its fullness, when Jesus returns as King of kings and Lord of lords and God and Jesus establish a new heaven and a new earth. It's the story of the Bible from cover to cover, paradise lost, paradise regained. It's a message of hope, a hope that can encourage us as we journey home and as we pray. And in a real sense, we can individually experience the rule of God in our lives now as we make God our ruler. Next, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The line flows pretty well out of your kingdom come, your rule, your kingdom come, your rule come, sorry. God's will, God's way is the way of truth and life. Sadly, humanity has not followed God's will, God's way. Humanity has said, God's way, no way, my way. Didn't take humankind long to give God God's will the, the boot. Genesis 6 5. The Lord saw how great was man's wickedness on earth, saw how great it had become, and every inclination and the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Next line is very sad. The Lord was grieved and his heart was filled with pain. God then called the Hebrew nation to set an example of God's will to the world. They failed badly. Just going to read this to you. I read it just the other day. It's heavyweight, goes on for a little while, but bear with me. I want you to feel the weight. The kings of Israel, Jeroboam, 22 years, bad. Nadab. Two years, bad. Bashar, 24 years, bad. Zimri, seven days, bad. Omri, 12 years, extra bad. Ahab, 22 years, the worst. Ahaziah, two years, bad. Jeram, 12 years, bad mostly. Jahu, 28 years, bad mostly. Jehoaz, 17 years, bad. Joash, 16 years, bad. Jeroboam the second, 41 years, bad. Zechariah, six months bad. Shalom, one month bad. Menhamim, that'll do, 10 years bad. Pekiah, two years bad. Pekah, 20 years bad. Hoshia, nine years bad. You feeling it? That was Israel. What about Judah? Rehoboam, 17 years, bad mostly. Abijah, three years, bad mostly. Azar, 41 years good, praise God. 
Jehoshaphat, 25 years good. Jeroam, eight years bad. Ahaziah, one year bad. Athaliah, six years devilish. Joash, 40 years, good mostly. Amaziah, 29 years, good mostly. Isaiah, 52 years good. Jotham, 16 years good. Ahaz, 16 years, wicked. Hezekiah, 29 years, the best. Manasseh, 55 years, the worst. Amnon, two years, the worst. Josiah, 31 years, the best. Jehoahaz, three months bad. Jehoakim, 11 years wicked. Jehoachim, three months bad. Zedekiah, 11 years bad. You can see why God was pretty pained. This is the nation he called to set an example to the world. These kings represented the people. The comment goes on. All the kings of Israel served the calf. The worst served Baal. Most of the kings of Judah served idols. A few served Jehovah. Pretty sad. And so, sadly, humankind continues to turn from God's will. We see it around us, don't we? Psalm 53, 6. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way. Now, I know I've been dwelling on the negative but I've wanted us to feel the weight of our sinful world and how God must feel. He felt pain. I trust we do. With God's help, let's submit to the words of the prayer and be a vessel, a light, a person who invites God's will to be done. Let's go to Psalm 143.10. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. What a good prayer. Romans 12.2 Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. The good news is God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I love the scripture near the end of the book of Job where Job says I know that you can do all things no plan of yours can be thwarted I like that word thwart I went to the dictionary and looked it up you know the word that just comes up before it thwack (laughs) what Jesus said next is amazing and wonderful you listening Give us this day our daily bread. What a change from heaven, his kingdom, his will be done to our daily bread, our food, cornflakes, toast, milk, coffee, vanilla slice and so much more that's really nice. Isn't it amazing though that Jesus is so down to earth, so real, so relevant that he thinks of our joy in eating and says, ask God to provide enough food for each day. And what a blessing food is to us. What a variety that we have. What a gift our taste buds are. And I don't know about you, but I say thank you, God, that you you haven't designed us just to eat green grass and, and dry hay. What a blessing our food is. And isn't it great that our life 
in God's company in the new heaven and the new earth, his kingdom come, is going to start with the wedding supper of the Lamb. We're going to celebrate together. I think the meal will be great. Jesus said, well, maybe Jesus had more in mind, more than ordinary bread. He said in Matthew 4.4, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. God's words are sustenance. John 6. 33 and 35, Jesus speaking. But the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. My take on these words. In Jesus, our hunger for love, truth, meaning, Purpose, forgiveness, guidance, hope, refuge and the provision of the daily necessities of life can be satisfied and sealed. Two relevant scriptures in 1 Timothy 6.17 we read words that speak of God's provision for our natural necessities. Listen, put our hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. He's a down-to-earth, he lives in heaven, but he's a down-to-earth God. He wants us to enjoy our breakfast, our warm bed, and God's backyard. Romans 5.7 speaks of God's provision of spiritual necessities. It says, receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness through Jesus. We can receive and rejoice in our salvation. And so we pray Jesus' words. Give us this day our daily bread, our substance, our need for spirit, soul and body. Next one, forgive us our trespasses, our debts in some translations, uh, our sins is what is inferred. And I think Jesus is not just reminding us of God's heart to forgive, but for us to be reminded of our need for forgiveness. The best thing we can do with our sin, you know what's the best thing we can do with our sin? Be seriously sorry for it. Repent. Confess it to God and ask for his forgiveness. I don't know about you, but what a beautiful feeling when you've done that and and you just know you've been forgiven and made clean. 1 John 1.9, beautiful words to us all. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So Jesus' advice, be aware of our sin, our trespass. Ask God for forgiveness and cleansing. That leads to the next bit of Jesus' advice. As we forgive those who trespass against us, getting hard now, our debtors, those who have sinned in their conduct towards us. You know, I think the hardest thing in the world is getting on with everyone. And I'm comforted by the fact that God knows this. In the scripture we read, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. God's really saying, if it's possible, he's saying, it's not, but do your best. 
to live at peace with everyone. You all know the little rhyme, I would imagine, to live in heaven with the saints above, that surely will be glory. But to live on earth with the saints below, well, that's another story. The fact is we're asking God, we're asked by God to more than just forgive, to love everyone, to even love our enemies. And, and forgiveness is a fruit and expression of that love. Now, forgiveness doesn't infer that what was done to us was right, but it infers that we should not be seeking revenge. I'll get him. You're going to get it. No. We forgive. We hand it over to God. I suggest unforgiveness can be described as a choke in the channel. It chokes out life. It chokes out relationship with God and people. Forgiveness unchokes the channel. So let's ask God to fill our hearts with his love that forgives. Let's do it. Let's forgive. Next, we're getting there. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Well, God doesn't tempt us with evil. Evil, sinful temptation comes from, yes, there is a devil, uh, from people that are sinful and serving him maybe, and also our sinful nature. And I think Jesus is warning us to be alert to this temptation that will come our way. He wants us to be discerning, to be determined to resist evil temptation. Now, Peter said, be self-controlled and alert because you've got an enemy out there who roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Jesus is saying, ask God in our prayers to be discerning, to alert us and to lead us on a good path. Come to 1 Corinthians 10.13. God is faithful. When you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And Titus, this is one of my favourite scriptures, Titus 2, verses 11 to 13. For the grace of God that brings salvation shall appear to us. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour Jesus. I apply that scripture. Sometimes when a temptation comes my way, and they do, I think of God and his grace and his love and Jesus and his, his love and that gives me power to say no. The grace of God will teach us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion. God will teach us and enable us to say no to sinful temptation. That brings us to the words of doxology. Now these weren't a part of the original words that Jesus spoke, but they're words of thanks and praise added by the church. Here they come. For thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God, you are all-powerful, all-glorious, eternal. Because he is and he loves us, we can rest in his loving arms. And so we should say, Amen. Let it be, Lord. Now we started, nearly there, we started with a prelude to the prayer. I want to finish with a postscript to the prayer. Firstly, the Lord's Prayer. 
it's not so much a prayer to be prayed, but a guide to us how to pray and what to think about, what subjects to bring to mind when we're praying. Not so much what to say, but how to pray. But the content, the consideration, the heartbeat of our prayer. But in saying that, the words do speak so meaningfully of our relationship with God. And it's always good to think about and speak out the words as our prayer. So the prayer lessons we've unfolded today, here they are, briefly. The holiness of God, our family relationship, the coming kingdom, God's will, his provision of our needs, forgiveness, his leading, his glory. The final point of clarity. Our Christian prayer should be Trinitarian. To the Father, through the Son, in the Spirit. Ephesians 2.18, for through Jesus we have access to the Father by one Spirit. John 16.23, ask the Father in my name. So now we're going to close in prayer, but I'm not going to pray. We're going to watch a kid's video. Yeah, it's not heavyweight, but when I was just looking on the computer for something that would fit, I came across this. It moved me, it touched me. I hope it does to you. Let's watch it now. Let's stand together and come to Jesus. This song is an invitation to um, to come to him and to pray to him, just as we've been learning. So um, come to him. He's here. to a close this morning. I just want to say thank you, David, for sharing those truths and those reminders about who it is we're actually talking to and how God wants us to approach him in prayer. So I just pray that, um, yeah, you've been touched by something you've heard this morning. And um, if you would like someone to pray with you, we always have people in the prayer room after the service. So feel free to use that and go and talk with someone if you'd like to. Otherwise, please join us for coffee and a time to chat and fellowship and pray you have a wonderful week. Thank you.